morning. Um, uh, if you have your Bibles, would you take those Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Gospel of Mark chapter 10. For many months now, we have been working our way through, almost every week, through the Gospel of Mark. We're taking a very close look at the life and the ministry and the teachings and the miracles of Jesus. And I have to tell you, I have so enjoyed this and so appreciated it as we've been able to look into what, what, what Jesus did. And, and let me just give you something, not only in regards to what we'll look at today, but in every, in every occasion of Jesus' life that is recorded, not everything that Jesus did is recorded. Um, everything that we're supposed to know about his ministry and his life is recorded here in the Bible. But there's much more, of course. In fact, the, the Gospel of John in the very closing statements of John's Gospel, he wrote, uh, directed by the Spirit, he wrote that if everything that Jesus did were recorded, then he said, I suppose all of the books in the world could not record what he did. So we know that Jesus did a great deal, but here's what I want you to understand. When you read about the things that Jesus did, understand that what he did then, he still does now. That's very important. So when you see a, a truth that he is, is teaching the multitudes or the disciples or even just one person, understand that those truths are for today. I, I want you to understand also that when you see a miracle, you see something very dramatic, very powerful. What happened then, Jesus still does today. And we're going to see one of those occasions here in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 today. Mark 10 verse 46 reads this way. Then they came to Jericho, that is Jesus and the disciples, they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Pause there for a moment. Right off, I want to establish that there are three entities here present in the very beginning lines of this true story. There are three entities here. First of all, there is a, it says a, a crowd, a large crowd. Now, we don't know exactly how many, but I would assume by calling it large, there could have been hundreds of people present, which was not real surprising. This is sometime a couple of years into Jesus' public ministry. Uh, people were gathering. When people would show up, they, they wanted perhaps to see a miracle. Miracle. They, they wanted to hear the things that he said that were unlike anything anyone else had ever said. And so Jesus would often draw large crowds. This is one of those occasions here in the city of Jericho. Jesus' disciples were a part of the crowd. The interaction that he has with them on this day is going to focus on one person in a moment, but everyone else was listening. The second thing, or the second entity that I want to point out who was present here this day was a blind man who was begging. A blind man who was begging. And back then, with few options, the blind often begged. They had no other recourse. They had no other options. Uh, uh, family would help. There were perhaps some things within the community. But the way that they were going to live, the way that they were going to eat and find shelter was on the generosity of people. So you have here a blind man who was begging. Um, he had a name or kind of a name. 
Bartimaeus is what we often call him. His name Bartimaeus, or what he was called Bartimaeus, is actually means the son of Timaeus. His actual name is never given. Uh, he, I'm sure, had a name, but he was, he was a man. It refers to him a couple of times as a full-grown man, and yet he was re- still referred to as Timaeus' boy, Timaeus' son. His own name, again, is, is never really given. And the third person or the third entity here, the crowd, this, this, this man called Bartimaeus, the third entity, of course, was Jesus. Now, I, I want you to understand in the context here, most of these people that were a part of this crowd did not know that Jesus was the Son of God. They, they did not know that, that, that He was the, the second person of the Trinity. They did not know that the one who was in their midst had also been present at creation. They did not know that in some months following, Jesus would die on the cross and become the, the, the covering for, become the sacrifice for the sins of mankind. They did not know any of those things, but they did believe that he was someone remarkable because a large crowd was following him. There were some of the disciples certainly that knew that Jesus was the Son of God, but most people did not, yet they still regarded him very very remarkable. So in this vast crowd, I want you to picture this in your minds, in this vast crowd, the person with the greatest need had the smallest chance of getting attention. Because even under the best of circumstances, blind beggars would have been overlooked in large crowds. Do you ever feel like you're one small person with a very big need in a very large crowd. You ever feel that way? I think that's how the man we call Bartimaeus felt. Just one person in a very large crowd with a very desperate need. Verse 47 reads this way, when he heard, that is when Bartimaeus heard, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. I want to point out something very obvious here. The man was blind. His eyes did not function, but his ears worked very well. It says, he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. I, I suspect it was something like this. He's sitting in his usual place begging, as he often did, probably almost every day. Suddenly he hears the, and he hears a crowd and he senses, he feels, he's very tuned into this, the energy within the crowd. And so perhaps he overheard it, or perhaps he inquired, but he heard that Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, was present. I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. And I believe, by the way, it's a very safe assumption. I believe that he had already heard about Jesus. He heard that Jesus was here, but I believe he had heard about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was descended from David. Perhaps he had heard how Jesus had healed others who were blind. In fact, just two chapters earlier in Mark chapter 8, there is the, the record of a blind man 
quite a ways to the north, about 70 miles to the north in the town of Bethsaida, who himself had also been blind, but Jesus healed him. Perhaps, perhaps Bartimaeus had heard how Jesus had healed other people who had been blind. Or perhaps he had heard about the compassion of Jesus that he had stopped for people who were on society's fringe. Perhaps, we don't know for sure, but perhaps he had heard how Jesus stopped and touched, physically touched people with the, the untouchable disease of leprosy. Or maybe he had heard how Jesus had paused on his way through a crowd of people and a woman had received her healing who had been ill for many, many years. I believe that he had heard about Jesus. He had perhaps heard about his power, and he had perhaps heard about his compassion. Again, there's nothing wrong with his ears. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. By the way, I, I point out these obvious things, but sometimes we can overlook them. His voice also worked very well. It says he shouted, he shouted, can you, can you with that wonderful imagination that God gave you, <clears throat> can you picture this in your minds? Here he is. He hears that Jesus is nearby. He knows some things about Jesus. And it says here, he began to shout. I can almost hear him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out. Now, Bartimaeus is a smart man. Again, there's a lot of things we don't know about him, but I, I think he was a very smart man. He didn't know if Jesus would ever pass this way again. He didn't know if Jesus would ever pass this way again. But Jesus was here now, and so he started shouting. So his ears worked, and, and, and his voice worked, and his mind worked, and very quickly he concluded that Jesus is here now. He may never be here again, so I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, and I'm going to give it everything I've got. And he started shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know the best time to cry out on Jesus is in the present? Do, do you know that you don't have to schedule a meeting with Jesus to cry out to him? Do you know that in just a moment, in, in, in just a breath, you can approach the very throne of God by way of Jesus and say, I need grace to help me in my time of need? That's Jesus. He, 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 immediate access. The best time to cry out to Jesus is in the present. The first part of verse 48 says this. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Last week I shared the account of Another man earlier in this same chapter, in Mark chapter 10, uh, that man was young and he was wealthy and he was powerful. I think that if that man were present here in this situation, if that man that we often refer to as the rich young ruler, had he been there and he had been shouting, I doubt that anyone would have silenced him. But blind beggars? Blind beggars, people who 
beg people who, are, who, who, who have some challenge about them, they're easier targets, aren't they? And it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I want you to say that many people rebuked him, the people around him, but many people rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I point this out, and I want you to see that, and again, you may be very familiar with this story, but I want you to see this because it can be very easy, perhaps you found, it can be very easy to talk down to someone who is in some way disadvantaged, isn't it? It can sometimes be very easy to be harsh with persons who don't have what you may have. I heard this statement a long time ago. You've perhaps heard it as well. That one of the, one of the, the great tests of character, not, not the only one, but one great test of character is how someone treats the least powerful person in the room. Think about that. A test of character is how you treat the least powerful person in a room. I had a friend a number of years ago, she's still a friend, and she had heard this same statement. She was out on a date with a guy, and uh, <clears throat> she was really interested in him. She really liked him, and I think he liked her, and, and uh, they were having a wonderful time, and they were out to dinner, and, and uh, the, uh, the waiter came up. Maybe it was a waitress, a male or female, doesn't matter, but the person serving them came to the table and the man, my friend's date, was very harsh, very, uh, very short uh, with the, uh, the waiter. She remembered this statement that one of the tests of character is how you treat the least powerful person in the room. And she thought, I won't want anything to do with this guy, smart woman. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you treat, how do you treat how do you speak to persons who have something less than what you do who is somehow disadvantaged? It says a great deal about you. It also says, by the way, a great deal about you. If there's someone who's in the room and you treat them with respect and you can gain nothing by that, that speaks highly of your character. But it says here that the crowd tried to silence Bartimaeus. It says, again, many rebuked him. Another Bible translation says they were stern with him. So again, just imagine this. Here's this man. I, he's sitting down. We know he's sitting down from what's later on. He's sitting down. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him are saying, shh, be quiet. And it was stern. It was harsh. It was rude. And there wasn't just one person, but many. Again, let me pause. I'm pausing a lot in this narrative. L let, me, let me point out something, and I want to speak to your need. When you have an enormous need of some kind, when you have something that you must desperately bring to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are crying out to him, when you are trying to get closer to him, there will often be 
people, often many people, who will try to silence you. And I have found, perhaps you have found as well, when someone tries to get close to Jesus, when someone is crying out to him and and trying to receive something from him, there will often be many people who will try to silence them and they can also be very, very stern. Some of you are perhaps new in the faith. We have a number of people that that have just more recently begun serving Jesus, and if that's you, glory to God, we rejoice with you, and we're so delighted and honored to walk with you in this new journey in in Jesus Christ. But but I'm warning you, and if you haven't discovered this already, there will be people that will try to silence you. There will be people that will try to shut you down. There will be people that will try to quiet you down when you start speaking of Jesus. Sometimes they will be stern. And sometimes they will be people who were once close to you or who are still close to you. Bartimaeus, the one we call Bartimaeus, was used to being dismissed and derided. And in verse 48 it says this, But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Again, using that wonderful imagination I think here's what he did. You know, he, he's, he's sitting down there and people are going, shh, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Be quiet. This is Jesus. He's an important man. Be quiet. And I think he's waving him off and he's saying, no. And he reached down and he found that little dial and he turned up the volume and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are freaking out. No. Because he's really getting loud. we're going to meet him someday. I'm looking forward to meeting this guy. And I'm going to say to him, thanks for turning it up, Bartimaeus. Whatever his name is, Phil. Thanks for turning it up, Phil. I don't know if that's his name or not. But he didn't stop. I want you to see that. Now the first words of verse 49 say this. Jesus stopped. See that? It says Jesus stopped stopped. Um, If you underline in your Bibles, underline that, highlight. Personally, that's that's two of my favorite words in this whole narrative. It says, Jesus stopped. I like that. I like that. Don't you like those words? Jesus stopped. Now, there's a crowd here, a lot of needs, a lot of people, a lot of people wanting attention. A lot of people wanting just a piece of Jesus, I'm sure. It was always the case. But it says Jesus stopped. It's a song that we used to sing a long time ago. Um, Went like this. I won't sing it. I'll say it. I'll help you on that. Um, uh, Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. And then, then there's this line, you'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. I want you to always remember this, that, that Jesus is never too busy. Uh, you can come to him in a moment. You don't have to make a, a, an appointment. He, you can come to him in a moment, and it says here that Jesus stopped. How many here are really glad that Jesus stopped? Not just then, but now. 
maybe in your life. Verse 49 again reads, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Again, pause there for just a moment. I have to tell you, I've read this text many, many times. I don't know, probably more than 50 or 60 times I've read this same text. But I've never noticed until I was preparing for this morning, I've never noticed that Jesus was speaking to the crowd and not to the man. Isn't that curious? I never noticed that before. It says here, Jesus stopped. Picture it in your minds. He stopped. He's working his way from one place to another. He's going through the crowd. The crowd's moving with him. And he, he hears the voice, because this guy's got it turned up on loud. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. And, and he said, Jesus said, call him. Jesus heard the man. So it's safe to assume that the man could have heard Jesus. But Jesus didn't speak to the man. Jesus spoke to the crowd to call Bartimaeus. Isn't that interesting? Perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps in doing this, Jesus wanted to change not just the man who was blind, but the many people who had been harsh and dismissive. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted to do a work in them and not just in him. And so Jesus speaks to the crowd, the people around him. Call him. Um, an interesting thing about persons with some kind, and there are so many, but an interesting thing with a person with some kind of limitation and you know this, some limitations are very obvious and other limitations are not so obvious. They're, not, not, they're more hidden, less visible. I have been in places, perhaps you have as well, seen occasions where a disabled or disadvantaged person in some way was mocked or dismissed by other people. And it's on those occasions that I realize that the persons who most need a touch from God are those who may appear to be fine. A number of years ago, I was uh, in a place and there was a person there with, I think, one of the most perhaps visible um, limitations. The person had uh, cerebral palsy. And uh, some of you are familiar with that. And the limitations are very obvious. I saw a young man come up and begin to mock this person and begin to act out some of the physical mannerisms of this person with cerebral palsy. And uh, I remember the anger that I felt. And I addressed it. I won't tell you how I addressed it, but I addressed it. 
And, uh, but I think it was that day that I realized, you know, the person who's really lacking is not the person who's in the wheelchair, but the person who was mocking him. This, this is what I mean by some, some limitations are much more visible than others, and yet that does not mean that it's necessarily more severe. Again, I, I say this, often in a crowd, the persons who most need a touch from God are those who appear to be fine, but really inside they're broken and they're, and they're wounded. Let me very quickly add here, I have at times been the one who was overlooked or mocked or dismissed, but I have also been the one who overlooked and mocked and dismissed others. Here's the good news. Jesus can touch both. And it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. They, he, he included the crowd. Verse 49 continues. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Isn't it interesting how the, the people who moments before told him to be quiet were now telling him to cheer up and get on his feet. Boy, that's a quick change, isn't it? <laughs> One moment they're saying, Shh, be quiet. It's Jesus. He's an important person. Shh, be quiet. A lot of people tell, be quiet. And then 30 seconds later, hey, get up. He's calling you. Come on. He's calling you. It's funny how quickly that turned. Lord, change our hearts. We sang earlier, change my heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Change our hearts to the needs of the people around us. May God change our hearts to the needs of the people. Let me say that again. God, change. Let me pray that again. Declare it again. Jesus, change our hearts to the needs of the people around us. Help us to see people as you see them. Jesus looked at these people. He saw the needs of that, that man called Bartimaeus, but he also saw the needs of the people who, who did not appear to have any physical limitations, but spiritual limitations. May we be sensitive to the needs of the people around us. Verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, Bartimaeus jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Oh, again, wouldn't this be fun to see? Wouldn't this be fun to see? Here's this man, he's sitting down, he's got his cloak covering him. All of a sudden, he hears, he hears Jesus saying, call him! I don't think he waited for someone else to tell him. I think he was already starting to move. He takes his cloak and he throws it aside. He gets to his feet and he makes his way to Jesus. But remember, he's a blind man and that's not easy. His ears work very well. We know that, but he begins to make his way through the crowd. I'm thinking people were helping him. This way, this way. And he comes before Jesus. But now, instead of being just one man with a big need in a vast crowd, it's almost as if it's just him and Jesus surrounded by a crowd. Uh, he came through the crowd. The, card, the crowd opened up its, its way like, like a person going through a wave, and, 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 and they open up, and, 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 and now it's just Jesus and Bartimaeus, and the crowd is around them. Now the three entities, the largest entity is looking on the two entities, Jesus and this blind man. 
Now, by this point, the man called Bartimaeus had done four important things. Number one, he had called out on Jesus. Very important. He had called out on Jesus. Number two, he had not given in to the crowd. That's, that's also very important. Again, first of all, he had called out on Jesus. Number two, he had not given in to the loud and many voices of the crowd. Number three, he continued to call out on Jesus, this time a little bit louder. And the fourth thing we just read here, he came to Jesus. It says he got up and he made his way to where Jesus was. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, which means teacher, by the way, Rabbi, I want to see. And this is the fifth thing, important thing, the fifth important thing that Bartimaeus did. He put his needs and his desires into words. He said, I want to see. Now you understand, Jesus knew his need. Jesus was aware of his need. Jesus knew, and, and even, even had Jesus not been, he, he knew, but even had Jesus not been, I've pointed out before and with many of these kinds of texts that a person who is blind, you know that they're blind because they don't track with their eyes and your eyes. It was obvious to everyone there, even people who didn't know him, what this man's need was. But Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. It's very important. I want you to see that. Because all of those things, calling out to Jesus, not listening to the crowd, continuing to call on Jesus, coming to Jesus, and asking Jesus, all of those are demonstrations of faith. It, it, it is faith put into action. It is faith with skin on. It is faith with legs under it. It is faith that is at work. He called out. He didn't give in to the crowd. He continued. He kept calling out. He came to Jesus, and then he asked Jesus, which is why in verse 52, Jesus then said, go your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Now we understand that it was God's power that healed the blind man. He could not heal himself. There's no way. I would assume that he had tried anything, everything, and others had helped him. It was the power of God that healed him. But Jesus points out that the faith of Bartimaeus demonstrated, his faith demonstrated, was a part of his eventual healing. By crying out when he's just one voice, one person among many, by crying out, it was an act of faith. He cried out when he, if you look at it in the natural, he had very little chance of ever getting an answer. He cried out when the crowd was around him. He cried out when the crowd kept trying to silence him. He didn't give in to their will. 
He didn't stop when it became difficult. He didn't stop when people, when people put him down. He didn't stop. He continued to cry out to Jesus. It was faith when he, it was faith when he came to Jesus. He could have said, you come here, but no, in faith, even though with difficulty because he's blind, in faith he threw that thing aside and he came to Jesus. And in faith he asked, he specified his need, teacher, I want to see. I want to see. Perhaps this morning you have a, a need. It's a long need. In just a few moments, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond to Jesus. But before we do that, of course, we have to find out the rest of the story. Verse 52 continues, Immediately, Bartimaeus received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. Immediately. The answer came immediately, but the faith that preceded it was a bit more lengthy, wasn't it? What need do you have? What need do you have? It may not be, of course, probably isn't what Bartimaeus had you have a need and it's desperate perhaps this morning you've never called out and cried out to him perhaps this morning you didn't know that that God still worked did these kinds of things that God still worked miracles today Perhaps you believed a lie that someone told you a long time ago or maybe not so long ago, a lie that went something like this, that there is a God but he's so distant and he doesn't operate in the way now that he used to back then. Or maybe you bought the lie that God doesn't care. But today, perhaps for the first time, you realize you can cry out to Jesus. You can call out to him. Perhaps this morning there's someone who's trying to tell you to be quiet, to, to give up, to just accept it, to just go with it, to just, it's, it's not worth pursuing anymore. And even as we look at this text, there's something in you that says, yes, that's the Holy Spirit that's resonating in my spirit. And I have to keep crying out. Perhaps this morning you've been crying out for a very long time and you're tempted to quit because the answer seems so elusive. And I challenge you this morning, keep crying out to him. Talking with someone this last week who has been praying for some things in their family for years, for years, and they're now experiencing the answer to those prayers. Keep crying out to him. Perhaps this morning you've never come to him. You didn't know that you can approach the Son of God. 
Perhaps you've never, you've never been singled out in the crowd where it's just you and Jesus. Maybe you've just always perceived your relationship with Jesus as just one in the crowd. Maybe you didn't know that you can have a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus. Today's your day. And perhaps this morning you've had a need, but you've never expressed it. You've never said, Lord, I want to see. I'm going to ask our musicians if they will make their way to the front. While they are doing that, I'm going to ask everyone else if you will very, very quietly and uh, very reverently just bow your heads for a few moments before I give further directions. Lord, I thank you for your word and how you've spoken to us. I believe, Lord Jesus, that there are some things that you want to do in our lives today. And Father, in these, these moments ahead, I would ask Jesus that having done what you've called me to do in bringing this message, now these people who have received this message will do what you are calling them to do, and that is to respond to it. I ask, Lord Jesus, that what happened then will happen now. Oh, the, the faces, of course, the names, the, the, the needs, the, the, the circumstances that led up to it, they're all different. But one thing remains, and that is, Jesus, you are still powerful. This too has not changed that you still care and you still love and you still want to be involved. People can still come to you. People can still fall at your feet. People can still be touched by the power of your hand. And so, Lord, I pray that today in this place, in these moments ahead, what happened then you will do now. I'd like you to stand with me, please, across this sanctuary. We're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. Hosanna. And uh, as we sing this, uh, let's sing it through once. And then uh, and then we're going to open it up for prayer. You know what? Well, let's just do this. Let's just open it up for prayer right now. We're going to start singing. And, and you know what? You don't need to wait for a certain line in the song. Just come. Just come. And, and come to these altars. Now, you're, now, now you may think, well, wait a minute, that, that's, that's, that's a little uncomfortable for me. Fine, stay where you are. Stay where you are. But sometimes just in an act of a demonstration of faith, just stepping forward and coming to a place of prayer or moving from where you are, becoming maybe just a little bit uncomfortable, making your way through the crowd, sometimes just that small demonstration of faith huge difference. It's God's power, but in in response to an act of faith. So when we're done singing, if you need to go, God bless you. If you want to make your way out of here later, fine. But right now, 
I want to trust God that he will do today what he did then. Will you agree that with me on that? So this is the closing. You leave when you're ready. But there are going to be people down here to pray with you. They may lay hands on you and just agree with you. If you'd like someone, there will be other people here to pray with you. But let's trust God that what he did then, he's going to do now. If you have a need, if you have a need, at some point here in these next few moments while we're singing, just go ahead and make your way down. You can kneel, you can, you can turn, you can work, but do something in an act of faith. Praise the Lord. Let's sing together.
见。